1: Beloved, the study that we are about to embark upon is actually a repeat message that I shared a few years ago, but one that the Holy Spirit has burned within my heart to address again. In a series of messages under the title of Lucifer's Elusive Gospel, I had addressed the counterfeiting of the true gospel of Jesus Christ through such false teachings as the social gospel hypergrace theology universalism and the replacement of man's desperate need of the blood atonement sacrifice of our glorious savior with the golden rule meaning that man can do enough good works on his own to merit the reward of heaven And as another indication of this evidenced apostasy, I followed up with a sorrowful reality that the majority of what is known as the Church of Jesus Christ no longer hungers for His coming, and in fact, to a great extent doesn't even expect Him to return at all, or at least not for a very long time, and not in the way His word strongly confirms that He will. This anti-scriptural mindset stems mainly from such false teachings as the kingdom-now theology that mandates that Christianity will continue to take over the world until it once again becomes like the Garden of Eden. And then Jesus can return, as though the Church has the power to determine when that should be. However, as we study the Holy Scriptures under the tutorship of the Holy Spirit... Line upon line, precept upon precept, a little here and a little there, as we are instructed to do so in Isaiah 28.10, confusion is put to flight, as well as every debate regarding the prophetic word of God, the signs of His soon coming, and the rapture or catching up of His true church. In this study, we are going to humbly and yet confidently look to the teacher of teachers, the one who has been given to lead us into all truth. And by his word, we will become more established not only in our salvation security in Jesus Christ our Lord, but also in the glorious reality that he is coming back for us just as he promised that he would. We'll begin with the concept of the rapture of his true church, which is his Bride. In this effort, I will be gleaning from a commentary written for Prophecy Update where they write. In the letter to the church at Corinth, which is recorded in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty to 55 the apostle Paul speaks of a mystery. The Greek word for mystery in that passage is mysterion, which literally means a secret or hidden thing. By investigating the whole counsel of Holy Scripture, we will be able to ascertain that by using the Greek word for mystery, Paul was defining a hidden doctrine describing the catching up of God's true church, which had not yet been revealed to the Old Testament saints. The word rapture is derived from First Thessalonians 4.17, where Paul wrote that we who are still alive after the dead in Christ arise will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet Jesus in the air. While the Greek word for caught up in that passage is harpazo, which means to snatch or take away, the Latin translation of that word is rapturo, from which we get the term rapture. Elsewhere in Scripture, it is used to describe how the Spirit caught up Philip near Gaza and brought him to Caesarea, as recorded in Acts 8.39, and also to describe Paul's experience of being caught up into the third heaven, as recorded in Second Corinthians 12.2-4. Thus, there can be no doubt that the word herpazo is used in 1 Thessalonians 4.17 to indicate the actual removal of people from the earth to heaven. Some have confused the rapture with the day of the Lord, but since Paul called it a mystery, we know by the full context of Scripture that it could not be the day of the Lord. For prophets in the Old Testament, such as Daniel and Zechariah, foretold this prophetic event. In fact, Amos and Joel, along with nearly every Old Testament prophet, from Isaiah to Malachi, have had something to say about the day of the Lord, indicating that this prophetic event was not a mystery to anyone who had read the Old Testament from the Torah into the major and minor prophets for they had all made references to the day of the Lord. Besides the Apostle Paul, Jude, the brother of Jesus, made reference to Enoch, the seventh from Adam, who addressed the day of the Lord, writing that Jesus will come back with ten thousands of his saints, indicating that the saints of God are already with him when he returns to the earth at his second coming. And in the 19th chapter of Revelation, verses 11 to 16, the Apostle John pens this all-producing description of the Lord's second coming. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and wages war. And his eyes were as a flame of fire, And upon his head were many diadems, and he had a name written upon him, which no one knows except himself. And he is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may smite the nations." and he will rule them with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Praise his name for ever. The Apostle Paul, therefore, could not have been referring to the second coming of Jesus when he spoke of the mystery recorded in the First Corinthians 15 passage. So what is this mystery that Paul speaks of? By the other portions of Scripture which describe the second coming of Jesus, we can surmise that Paul is not referring to that glorious event but rather is speaking of a hidden thing that God had not yet made known before it was revealed to Paul. Remember that after Paul had had his Damascus Road encounter with Jesus and was temporarily blinded, he had hands laid upon him by Ananias, and he received his sight. He then went into the wilderness, most likely the Arabian desert and remained there for three years before he joined the other apostles and began preaching in the synagogues throughout israel during his time in seclusion he received many revelations directly from the lord and in light of this encounter with jesus in second corinthians twelve two to four he writes I know how such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which a man is not permitted to speak. It was here that Paul was schooled, so to speak, in the things of God that had not yet been previously fully revealed, such as the blood atonement grace of God that would be extended to the Gentiles as well as the Jews and the rapture or catching up of God's true church, who because of the Savior's payment of sin on our behalf would be spared from his wrath that was destined to come upon an unbelieving world. Paul had actually experienced what the rapture would be like when he was caught up into the third heaven. As the end of this age draws swiftly to a close, there are those who have wondered if we might already be in the tribulation period even now. It is true that we do have many tribulations that we are experiencing in this valley of the shadow of death, some of them that hit like a tsunami. And Lord Jesus said that we would. But he has also given us the strength providing assurance that we will prevail, for he has already overcome the world. The great tribulation, on the other hand, that his word has warned us of, will bring with it sorrow and suffering that in the words of Jesus himself, in Matthew twenty-four twenty-one, have not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will again. The tribulation period is going to be more horrific than anything man has ever known or experienced before, as the wrath of a holy and just God is brought down upon those who refused and pridefully rejected His gift of grace, and the love field shed blood of His only begotten Son, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. And that is why the rapture is called the blessed hope of believers who have had their sins washed away by that precious and sinless blood of our Savior. And yet there are still many who have a difficult time grasping the belief of a pre-tribulation rapture of the church when, in fact, when we truly understand what the blood of Jesus has accomplished on our behalf. There is no other valid expectation than to be assured that we will be taken up into heaven's safe haven of God's grace before His holy wrath is brought down upon the heart-hardened and sin-darkened world. And His forever-settled-in-heaven word of truth confirms that. In Isaiah twenty-six twenty to 21 THE PROPHET, WHO BEFORE THE MYSTERY THAT PAUL WOULD MUCH LATER REFER TO, AND HAD YET TO BE FULFILLED, WROTE, COME, MY PEOPLE, ENTER INTO YOUR ROOMS, AND CLOSE YOUR DOORS BEHIND YOU. HIDE FOR A LITTLE WHILE, UNTIL INDIGNATION RUNS ITS COURSE. FOR BEHOLD, THE LORD IS ABOUT TO COME OUT FROM HIS PLACE, TO PUNISH THE INHABITANTS OF THE EARTH FOR THEIR INIQUITY and the earth will reveal her bloodshed and will no longer cover her slain. And again, as we look to God's word, line upon line, precept upon precept, a little here and a little there, in John fourteen one to 4 and in alignment with the Isaiah twenty six twenty to 21 passage, our precious Savior gave us this heart-strengthening promise. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also, and you know the way where I am going. Beloved, as his sanctified bride, we will be hidden in the chambers of heaven with our Savior, while the wrath of God's indignation runs its holy course upon this earth. For having been blood-washed, justified, and redeemed, there is now, therefore, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, as recorded and promised in Romans 8.1. Romans 5, 8-9 gives joyful confirmation, where it is also written. For God demonstrates His own love toward us, in that, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than, having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him. And on that glorious, grace-filled promise, we'll have to pause for now. We have much more to cover, so I hope you will join me next time. Until then, please do not lay down your hopeful expectation of his returning for us, no matter how much it may be mocked or ridiculed. For there is a reward for those who long for his coming, marking you as an obedient child of God and bringing great pleasure to his heart. And, as always, beloved, I bid you his agape.
0: You've been listening to Love's Last Call with Evangelist Carol Ann of Agape Light Ministries. If you have a prayer request, please contact us at Agape Light Ministries, P.O. Box 6313, Chesterfield, Missouri 63006 or via our website at www.agapelightministries.com. Again, that's www dot Agapelightministries.com.